0: We have weathered the storm at the home of a contemporary shaman. The energy of last night's wild Australian tempest has roared into a peaceful stillness. We have been fortified with the help of my guest, Odette Nightsky, Sky, author, counselor, spiritual midwife, and contemporary shaman. My name is Catherine Sky Nod, I'm a holistic journalist and broadcaster, and the host of Nature Therapy and Beyond. In each episode, we travel around the globe, speaking with experts and enthusiasts from the world of holistic health and natural living. If you're just joining us, we are in northern New South Wales, Australia, learning of shamanic practices from a contemporary practitioner. Odette has been telling us of the shaman initiate's walk through madness, mental health, and coming out the other side. We've also discussed spirit animals, genetic cellular therapy, and the importance of diplomatic negotiations when navigating the spirit world. It's a rare glimpse into a fascinating landscape. We've been invited to walk along a very special path, and I feel quite honoured to introduce you to all that Odette has graciously offered us. Today we're starting off with thoughts on auditory therapy. Where do you stand on sound therapy, sophagio, binaural beats, that sort of thing? I think
1: they're all good to play. I quite like them in the background of things. Clear the energy of the room. Some sounds really can drive people mad. and Other sounds can be really nourishing. Find the sound that's right for you. If you think about anxiety and depression, the fear is a very dense, low vibration. If you want to get out of the state of fear, is to raise your vibration. If you have children, rather than standing up and watching over your children, literally get down on the floor and let your child live. Lead you in their imagination. Children are automatically in a better vibrationary state. Allowing your inner child to come forth with them, following in their imagination, shifts your frequency.
0: Well, that's a good way to look at it because I know a lot of us are trying to find a way to contain our children. The aspect of letting them lead us is a little bit more relaxing.
1: That's it, finding your joy, finding your fun. Watching silly videos, we're here to lighten up as well. What you need to weave with it is the joy, the inner child joy, the being silly. It's really important because that, shifting your vibration, it helps with your immunity as well.
0: In terms of listening to our bodies and the messages that our bodies give us, I've spent a lot of time reading about and speaking with traditional Chinese medicine practitioners My body now talks to me in Chinese medicine. If there's some congestion in my liver, I'll have mood swings, is its way of telling me. Do you have anything that we can listen for that's a little bit more universal when it comes to listening to our bodies? I'm quite
1: like you. I kind of go the Chinese way. I find it very holistic because every organ works with each other and talks with each other. So I I relate totally to what you're talking about there, how we can connect to our bodies. It's a bit like what I mentioned with talking with beings. Your body is a living entity full of subatomic particles. It's a life force. If you move into a state of meditation, which is a state of being receptive, you can actually ask your body what it needs. For a lot of people, it will say rest, but mostly the body can give you signals, but you actually have to stop to listen. There's a technique, it's a way of walking through your body and asking different parts to share its messages. And it's incredibly how informative it can be, where you're a bit out or what you could do that could help your body. Things you can do in your home and the videos to do that. The five animals, Tai Chi, I think is a really lovely one for people to do because it also embraces the shamanistic energy of an animal. It's a really nice way to connect with. With your body. Tai Chi and Qi Gong, the more you do those things, the more you can hear your body. But the first thing is you have to learn to receive and that's the key. A lot of people ask a lot of the questions of themselves but don't know how to receive. Receiving means dropping back and allowing what comes in without you trying to pick it apart.
0: Like, people who ask the magic eight ball a question and they get an answer, and then they think, oh, well, I'll just try again and see what the next answer is. In terms of listening to your intuition, I'm just as bad as anyone for asking a question. I get an instant answer, and I didn't want to hear that, or maybe I just can't make any sense of it, so I disregard it and keep asking.
1: Like, in the early days when I used to play with tarot cards, I remember having the Brian Froud fairy cards. Some of those fairies are not the prettiest things in the world, not like. Disney fairies some of them look quite creepy and I get the creepiest card right and I go no I don't want that one tell uh, tell me again and I get the creepy card again I go I don't want that one you know I get it it's like what part of the creepy card are you not wanting to look at it is a bit like that I always say to the person what's the first thing that comes I can see the person has got something and they go oh no I don't like that even if you don't understand it what was that first thing it's usually the first thing has some resonance with it I had a bit of an ear irritation. I'm looking up, oh, this is what I should do because I'm not used to having an ear irritation. And I kept hearing in my head, coconut oil. And I'm thinking, ah oh, no, shh, shh, I don't want to do anything. You know, <laughs> keep going. Tried all these other things which didn't work. And then, of course, coconut oil came again. And I was like, oh, get the coconut oil. <laughs> and within two days, it was fine. So listening to that first moment, the body will send you messages. So you need to be in that receptive place. And you will get something if you're patient.
0: Good advice, and very reassuring to know that you do the same thing. (laughs) Classic, classic. I wanted to ask you about sweat lodges. Have you ever worked with them?
1: I went on a vision quest. I found them wonderful. It was like walking into the womb of the mother. It's incredibly good. It connects you to the earth, really connects you to the mother nature vibration. I found them profound. I thought that I wouldn't survive it because I thought the heat would be too much. I thought I wouldn't be able to cope, and uh, I was the last one out. It was really like you're, you're in the womb of the mother. It's the best way I can explain it, and it's very nurturing, very cleansing. And if you can find one that's facilitated by somebody who's of integrity, I would recommend them.
0: In terms of physiological benefits, it does wonders for the immune system and cardiovascular toning. But is it another form of connecting to the self?
1: Um, You go into the womb, you clear your energy within the womb, and then you come out of the womb afresh so it's more like a rebirthing experience it's not traumatic as such people can cry and be upset of course but it's more like a cleansing plate the sweat lodge I did I did it before the vision quest so it was like a a cleansing I went in pure into the vision quest space
0: okay so it was almost like a companion treatment so that you were fresh for the other teachings
1: maybe like you said the self it's sort of like you walk into it as yourself and you come out of it without yourself ready to soul quest
0: i see so it's a stripping of the ego intention or the habitual ego
1: yes absolutely
0: So I have a question about the ego. Everyone talks about shedding the ego. There's certain merit to that. But isn't the ego something we need to balance with?
1: I don't really have a problem with the ego at all. I think the problem is when it rules you. Ego is, helps us to survive, it's a very needed quality, but as you said, when we get the balance between the ego, for instance, when I'm talking to you, I have the witness inside of me that can hear me talking. Before I got to know how to see from the witness perspective, it was just me, 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 but when you can blend the two, when you understand the difference between the two, and your negotiation between the two, the ego is very helpful. I don't think it's a bad thing. Shamanism teaches you more to be in a soul mindset than an ego mindset, but it's not complete eradication of the ego. When I get out of my own way to let spirit through, that's like putting the ego to the side. It's not getting rid of it so I can connect with the other parts of, of my being.
0: Because we need the ego as part of our infrastructure in order to balance and to survive, really.
1: Absolutely. Like there's many, many people who don't live inside their bodies, who live from the head up, which is like living from the ego up. We're here to be embodied and be able to fly out, fly at will. On the detrimental side of the ego... It's like accomplishments, power. If we just stay with that and only that, it's not very enriching. So it's like using the ego at the time it's needed, which is, you know, functional and practical and, and helps us, you know, in all sorts of situations, but also imbibing the other parts of our holistic being, not just the ego part.
0: We put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Meditation, for instance, the little voice that won't shut up or, or the ego or telling them how silly this oh. is, that sort of thing. And it creates a lot of stress when you feel like you have to fight that little voice. But it's maybe not about fighting the voice so much as just, as you say, being a witness to it.
1: Yeah, and like in my life, I've done 11 10-day silent meditations. 11 was my end. You know, spirit said, okay, you're done now. So in those meditations, it was eight hours a day, and it was pretty hard. But the great gift of it was you didn't fight anything. You just observed it. Like they say, observe the cloud going by. Believe me, being silent for 10 days was not a problem. Because my mind would not shut up. Yeah, it was just talking commercials horrible jingles in my head. <laughs> oh goodness me. And that's where I learned The Witness after the Vipassana technique. I could just watch it and not get caught up with it. You know, I would see it like a movie going back and forth like a mad woman, but I wasn't in it. I was watching it, and that was the big difference. At one point, I was in a Buddhist cell, which is basically the size of a toilet, and it's all black in there, and it's meant to deepen your practice. And I was being mad by my mind. Yeah, i couldn't get any peace at all and then i heard at the peak of that i thought my skull cracked inside i heard this audible crack everything went quiet and it didn't last forever but after that rambling on that i kept watching of my ego was so decreased and it's never come back in that same busy fashion ever again it still comes back of course it's there but it doesn't get in my way anymore. So it's your relationship to the ego that is the issue and how you can be a witness to it and know when it's helpful and when it's not.
0: I think if I heard that crack, I would instantly think, oh, I've had a stroke.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I thought my brain had just snapped because I couldn't take it anymore. But I tell you what, it felt great afterwards.
0: <laughs> I'm sure it does, like going to the chiropractor. <laughs>
1: exactly. It's like, oh, it's oh, so much better. Thank you so much.
0: Do you have any sort of general advice for interpreting dreams?
1: I do have a bit of a general advice. I think a lot of people get caught up in the dream story, like what happened in the dream. They were being chased by a monster, whatever the story is. And I'm a little bit Jungian in the way I look at dreams, Mm. because Jung looks at symbols. What was happening for you emotionally in the dream? That seems to be always the key point. So two people can have the same dream. They're going off a cliff on a boat. One person in the dream is absolutely terrified the other person they go oh that's cool i'll just go with the flow and maybe i'll fly it's your attitude in the dream that i think is the most important what was your response work with your feelings in the dream so when you get up write it down as quickly as you can with no editing and as you write the dream out things will pop up that you may have forgotten and write your emotions in the dream dreams are a reflection of what's going on now psyche right now how you feel in your dream reflects how you feel in your daily life.
0: Hmm. And what about visitations or experiences with maybe loved ones who have passed away? If they make an appearance in your dream, do you take that as a family member has actually come to visit you or do you look at that more symbolically?
1: Personally, when my loved ones who have passed over come in, usually I can feel them on a physical level in the dream. It's not just an imagery thing. I sense them, like how they feel or how they make me feel. I would say they are. Most visitations are. And they usually come to reassure you or talk to you. That's kind of nice. They're always connected to you anyway. So in the dream world, it's a place where they can get access to say hi.
0: When I feel like I've had a visitation from a family member, there's just a different texture to the dream. It's very, (laughs) it's almost tactile. It's more
1: lucid and the senses are more acute somehow. Like if I give you an example, when my middle brother passed and a year later upon the day, I had a dream and we were sitting on a cobblestone fence and it was very green in what I refer to the healing place, which many people who are ill go to after they pass. And I remember being right next to him and feeling his arm next to me. And my, and my brother was very tactile. So I remember this very physical sensation in my dream. And it was so tangible. It was like I was there and I could feel him, actually feel him. And that to me is the kind of, as you said, that's the difference.
0: Is there anything that we can do or should we try to encourage dream visitations with loved ones?
1: I would say keep dream journaling and before you go to sleep at night, have sort of five minutes, you know, connect with your loved one in whatever way you can. Blow out the candle and invite them to come and visit you in your dreams. But even more so, before you go to sleep, say I'm open and receptive to my ancestor visiting me. Because the ancestor often could be there, but you might be too freaked out. So you need to say, I'm open and receptive. You need to kind of open your own channel.
0: Right, so you have to actually issue them a party invitation to come in and see you.
1: Perfect. And say that you're going to open the door. (laughs) Yeah. Because they might come knocking and you'll be going, no, nah, no, nah, I don't want to do it, don't want to do with it. No, I said I wanted to, but no, it might be freaking me out. <laughs> you know, you have to learn to be receptive, yeah, get out of your own way. Even if you say that to yourself, please, spirit, help me get out of my own way so my ancestor can come and visit me.
0: Uh this one, it's about maintaining and minding your own energy. What can we learn about balancing our own energy so that we're not quite so affected by the thoughts and feelings of other people?
1: Okay, so this is where shamanic tools really come in. Because shamanic tools are about the energetic vibration and how we deal with that. There are certain tools we can use, like recapitulation is one of the primary ones. Another one, a lot of people talk about being encased in a white bubble. This for me is a real big problem. Because when you encase yourself in a white bubble or a golden bubble or whatever the bubble is, you also encase your own fear so rather than encasing yourself in a bubble or putting shields up you would be better to at the center of your being see a bright star and emanate light from the center of your being basically you become a giant star of light and anything that comes in your way will encounter that light so i'm a big advocate of not enclosing yourself but emanating the light. And the light is not your light, not the I am light, it's the source, it's the light from the source. You emanate that light and it nourishes you and it also prevents debris from coming into your energy field. The other thing to do, if you're in a room with people who have a lot of debris, you can put your back against the chair. One hand over your belly, one hand over your solar plexus. Your belly is where you leak energy. So if you put your hands over there and put your feet on the ground, you kind of seal your own energy, your own vibration. So you can emanate, but without leaking. And the reason that you have your back on the chair is the other position that energy can come into is right at the nape of your neck. It's like there's an energy hole, and that's where a lot of yuck can go in. So it's really good to have a jar of salt near your shower, give yourself a salt scrub in the area behind the nape of your neck and your belly, because you might leave that place or you might leave talking to that person on the phone that gave you a really yucky vibe. And then you go into the practice of recapitulation, which is um, a breathing technique. And you basically breathe yourself back in and breathe either the person's debris out, your fear out, your anxiety out, and you get to contain your own energy again. And when you're emanating, like from the star, you're in the space of connection. You're connecting with all that is. When you're in a bubble, you're closing off connection. I had an experience once of a healer in the early days. She was working on me energetically. When I left, I didn't feel right. And I went to a friend of mine who was very intuitive, and she put me on the table. and She said, oh, goodness me, what has she done to you? She said, she's sort of encased you in the bubble, but she's also trapped you in there. And I felt absolutely horrible. I felt like I couldn't connect to anything. I could not resonate with nature. I couldn't connect to a thing. So for me, that was the lesson. It's not about closing yourself down. It's about keeping yourself open and your core still strong. And when the star is in the middle of you and it's emanating, that is from the source, which is keeping your core self strong. Have a check to see where your spirit is in relation to your body. Is it sitting inside your body, or is it still in the room over there where you had the conversation, or is it still in the past? When I say that, you kind of connect to where it is. You need to bring it back. You need to call your spirit back to sit back in your body. And if you think that that part of you is with a memory that's not good, just imagine your spirit walking back to you through a waterfall, yeah? Through a beautiful, clean waterfall and back inside your body. Pull your spirit down into your body, with your breath because often when we get into upset uh, part of us wants to leave our body so we really need to be in our body to feel secure.
0: So that's why there's sort of a dysmorphic feeling among people who are mostly in their heads if they leave their body to protect themselves from their environment then their spirit is floating around elsewhere.
1: That's it and, and with abuse that's quite normal you know people experience a lot of abuse have left their body a lot because they couldn't cope So they're used to leaving their body. But you need to know that after a while, when you build up safety, it's safe to come home to your body. People who have trauma, that probably takes skill to clear out some of the wounding before you can feel safe back in your body. So until then, see the star at the center of your being and shine from the source.
0: Mediumship Do you work with channeling for people as a form of therapy in terms of contacting perhaps spirit guides or departed loved ones?
1: Yeah, I I do have that direct channel, but I do not get taken over by anything. I didn't want to move out of my body so another being could take place inside my earth suit. I wasn't into that, maybe because I still wanted a relative ounce of control. And because I'm curious, I want to know what's going on. (laughs) So there's an ability to just move to the side. I find that a good balance for me because to be a full channel it can be very exhausting to your physical body if you notice those that are full channels are quite stocky people they're quite strong-bodied people I'm more the pixie people <laughs> but I do come kind of, you know I do hear the dead you know get visitations for people yeah I find it quite enjoyable it's just like you do with anybody you still can chat you can still find out information it's just the things come differently you might get pictures or things you have to kind of work out a little bit not as may be clearer but then again humans aren't that clear humans can send very mixed messages as well so
0: do you find that these experiences are therapeutic for the people that you work with to receive this information incredibly
1: yeah i i mean i think that's probably on the wound healing stuff that's really relevant but i do think people respond so well to the reading side of it, how to work with their grief And I think it's very profound that they know that there's a whole multi-dimensional world out there. And I think it brings comfort to people that their loved ones are okay and that they are still in communication with them if they want to be, which can be very reassuring to some people.
0: A lot of people who have grief over having lost, there's such a finality to it. A lot of times it's very abrupt and even if it's not it's still very painful. Would you say that the grief sometimes gets in the way of them being able to communicate?
1: Absolutely and that's natural. Grief is the ones that are left behind. That how you adjust, how you accept the pain. I always find the time between when the person dies in the funeral the most difficult time energetically. It's a bit like that transition time. They're not completely gone and they're not completely here. To me that's the challenging time. Once the funeral is done i usually see them leave energetically they're much better they usually stay around because they are so upset that the people that they love are so upset they're there for them but the people that they love are so much in pain and they can't feel them sense them see them that's a part of grief it initially does block the way but after some time the messages do start to come through people can be reassured
0: I was having a conversation with someone about a mutual friend who had passed away, and we were both saying that it doesn't feel like she's gone. We don't think of her as having died because in our own ways, which are different, we still feel that she's around or that we still have a connection. We don't feel that pain because we don't feel like she's lost to us. It reminds me there's um, an Italian word, attraversiamo, and it literally means to cross the street. To me, that's how I think of someone who passed away they're just on the other side of the street they're not exactly. with me but they're parallel they're in existence just not in the same way
1: i think the real pain is the loss of the physical that is where the agony lies that you can't touch them when you contact them in spirit okay you still miss the physical of course you do but you can feel them you can resonate with them like i can always feel my father's presence my father used to kiss me on the head when he used to go to sleep as a child. I always feel the touch in the same place on my head and I know it's him. So I do get a little kind of, just a wee bit of the physical because I choose to be in tune with that side. So I think the more you choose to be in tune with the other side, the more your senses will pick up on things and the more that you will feel that sense of connection. But in saying that, you don't want to stop a spirit from moving on. Like there's a part of the oversoul that will always be connected with you. But then they have their mission too. The real thing about grief the real lesson in grief, which is very hard for many people, is how to let go. Letting go is a big one for us down here in Earth suits. It's the most difficult thing that we can confront.
0: Do you have any suggestions for somebody who's trying to begin the process of letting go?
1: I have clients that regret things that they should have said to them before they died. And I said, well, I'll write them a letter. That spirit, that mother, that father, that brother, they're connected to you. And then Burn it in a safe situation and let it go up to them. It's not about them coming to you. It's about you saying hello to them. So send them out some love. Write them a letter. Say that you were sorry that you weren't there, whatever your regrets are. Tell them how much you love them and then send it up to the ethers. There is no order to it. You can feel rage, you can be demanding, you can feel sadness, You, all these emotions at one time, and there's nothing wrong with all those feelings that you're feeling. Don't feel bad that you're angry with them because they left you. That's okay. Allow yourself to feel those feelings so they can move on. If you stop yourself from feeling all those feelings, they're going to end up like nuggets inside you and eat you away. So you need to be able to express how you feel safely. Writing's one of them or art's another or some creative way to express your feelings. If you don't, then it becomes toxic and then it becomes depression. The self-hatred will kick in. The person that you love that left doesn't want you to be in that state. So do it for them, if not for you, so they can see you moving on with your life. But the process of grief, it takes a little bit of time and it's okay. But just don't let it fester and become your life. You're not serving anyone, least of all the person who passed.
0: So the act of trying to release, to express through creative means is just as much doing yourself a service as it is the loved one who is gone.
1: Absolutely. Because grief is a very me experience. You kind of need a vehicle to release it. And all creative ways can do that. I've taken people to visit their loved ones in spirit in a state of sanctuary. But that's happened after the acute grief has passed. Because before that, people just turn into a mess and they can't receive anything.
0: Um. Mercury retrograde, what is this? We talk a lot about it in terms of, oh no, everything is going to go wrong now because it's Mercury retrograde. (laughs) And then when it's over, it's like, okay, everything's your fault again. That sort of mentality. (laughs) But what is Mercury retrograde? It's an alignment of the planets, is it not?
1: Yeah, well, Mercury retrograde actually happens quite often. It's it's just the cycle of the planets. Mercury is the planet of communication, right? And a retrograde means it's kind of going backwards right so depending on your chart your star sign how the planet affects you and what house blah 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 blah. you'll have to ask an astrologer about all those lovely details but basically Mercury retrograde is an opportunity to look at how you're communicating or how you're not communicating just to be in tune with that uh, difficulty so it's an opportunity for a lesson For example, Mercury Retrograde is affecting you and you're just pretty antsy with your partner and you keep getting the wrong end of the stick and you're not understanding each other. and You just can't get through to each other. So instead of fighting it... Back off, choose choose something else to do to mentally retrograde his past or sit down in a constructive way and unpack why the communication is so difficult and learn to listen better to uh, what the other person is saying. If you can't do that then just okay, well mentally retrograde is here. I'll wait till we have this discussion about our relationship or after that. <laughs> it's giving you an opportunity to understand is this the right time to go here and communicate about this or maybe I should just wait. Yeah is teaching you about your communication, how it's working or how it's not working and what to do about it, either to open it up or to be patient and back off to the times right.
0: So um, recognizing that you have something to communicate, maybe you haven't been going about it as effectively as possible. You have the option of backing off. And I guess maybe the nice thing to note here is that we shouldn't see that as a personal failure if we decide to take a step back and wait till later.
1: No, no, not at all. It's kind of a bit like an opportunity to observe that right now you confronting your partner on this particular issue. Maybe this is not the right time to unpack it.
0: Can we say for certainty that Mercury Retrograde does have an effect on our technology and not just us as people?
1: It does. It does. You know, most people find that the phone or the computer or there's something going wrong because it's yeah, connected with communication. So that's communication on all
0: levels. So that if my computer goes it's down, I know. It's <laughs> not your fault! It's not your fault! <laughs> recent increase in personal intuitive messages or heightened sensory awareness of any kind. It seems like a lot of people are seeing or sensing the energy around them perhaps more clearly than they had before. What would be your perspective on the potential of these energy shifts?
1: Well, I do think the veils are becoming thinner. We're moving from 3D 4d to 5d those who are working on becoming more conscious are seeing and experiencing more the more that you practice your your consciousness skills the more these things will occur and they're absolutely natural the reason that you're seeing them is because many of us have chosen this time to be alive in this difficult frequency that we're in this different frequency changes So if your skills are amping up and you're seeing more things, it's just showing you that you're being able to transcend these dimensional changes and be able to adjust better than others who are still caught up in the low vibration density, you know, who are in fear.
0: Right, and recognizing that this is a natural thing and that more than likely it's designed to be helpful.
1: Absolutely, and it is a it is natural shift in vibration. Nature is it's shifting, and we're shifting with it, and if we're not shifting with it, then we're getting stuck in fear, and if we are shifting, then we'll realize that whatever happens, we're going to be okay.
0: So again, that comes back to having a bit of faith.
1: Yeah, and I guess it's knowing that this is not just it. There's much more to it than that. And the more in tune we get, the more we can experience that, and the less we can be afraid of letting go.
0: I have a few questions from people. Do you mind if I relay a few of those to you?
1: I hope I can answer them, go ahead, go ahead.
0: (laughs) Okay from a young woman, and she says that she's been seeing a lot of blue in her vision, appearing either as sparkles or blobs, and sometimes what looks like static or fuzz in the air and around people. Anyone she says she's mentioned it to suggests that she's having a silent migraine, but she feels that it's more than that, and also starting to see colors in people's energy. It used to be just white, and now it's developed some color.
1: You know, the color blue is a nice high-frequency color, and if she's seeing colors, she's just becoming more in tune to people's energy fields. It's probably a gift that she has. The color scheme, like, I don't, for me, I don't particularly see auras. I'd be great if I did. I don't see them but if she sees them then I would encourage her when she sees it to just really be with it and really be present with it and not try and analyze it and just see what develops out of it she can also ask show me more if she wants to trying to put it into a migraine category might be great for the physical it's if she feels it's more than to trust her intuition and to maybe look into um, reading or developing skills maybe it's something that she naturally is in Inclined to that she can develop even more and see if she can get a feeling from it. Like if it's a color blue, what does it feel like to her? If it's a color pink or a color purple, what does it feel like? You know, try and get the senses involved.
0: Another individual noticing precognitive episodes and also a lot of synchronicities. In particular, she gives the example of reoccurring numbers. So she'll see eleven, eleven. It seems to be primarily based around ones.
1: Well, eleven eleven is kind of like a master frequency number. I often see eleven eleven in the morning. In the number of frequency, it's, it's showing you're in the flow. You're in you're in alignment. In the precognitive and the intuitive world that's developing, it is just that you're developing. You're developing your skills. I would meditate more with those intuitive things, but also be very aware that as you're developing these things, is at the same time do what I mentioned before, Make sure your spirit's inside your body after your practice. Pull it back in, close your crown chakra, ground yourself so it doesn't become too full on for you. Because I don't know the person, but it might become a little bit disturbing because you can see so much, just picking up so much. So it's a good idea to ground yourself, grounding your spirit in your body as well, and just trust and write them down. When we write them down, it grounds the information that you pick up, which also helps you to develop your skill. But you know, you're in alignment. Keep going with it.
0: You say that the act of writing something down is a grounding technique.
1: And it's very good for people with busy heads. But also if you're in a bad mood, don't look back at it, don't delete anything, don't edit anything. Write exactly truthfully how to feel. Get things out of your head so you're not so much in your head.
0: A lot of people tell me they've developed a ringing in their ears. Physicians claim that it's a bit of a medical mystery. It has to do with the central nervous system. They trace it back to head and neck injuries. A lot of people say, oh, it's tinnitus, but others think that it's a temporary physiological change. And then others accept that maybe it's part of an energetic upgrade. What might your thoughts be?
1: Hmm, that's a tricky one because I'm, I'm a bit on both sides.
0: Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm a bit that it is listening to the frequencies changing, but also we have things like 5G coming in and a lot of Wi-Fi frequencies, a lot of electronic frequencies. So I think that does affect the ears. There is that level of tinnitus because if I have a big hit of sugar, it'll just go up like nobody's business. Yeah. If it's really bugging them, try and see if they can turn off their electronics, everything around them, like in the room that night, and see if that helps. Literally go inside your ears and go inside the sound, journey inside the sound, and see if it goes anywhere, if it just stays. Because if it goes anywhere, you might end up journeying into a vibrational realm. We have so many grids out there. So I do think that those grid patterns have something to do with why everybody seems to have it. But I think there is an element of a little bit upgrading here and there as well. It is a mix-up. It's very hard to ID it.
0: All of these things can be transmitted energetically through the central nervous system. That's a good point to travel inside the sound because that's our conductor.
1: That's it. Mm. See where your sound travels to.
0: When you traverse the texture of reality in this manner, the concept of terms like possible or impossible become a bit of an illusion. I believe we're all capable of tremendous transformation when we follow our heart's guidance. I want to offer a deep thank you to Odette Nightsky for speaking with me and offering such pivotal glimpses into the potential of shamanic healing. Odette is the author of several books on Shamanism and its applications to our daily life. Profoundly enlightening and valuable information for anyone delving into their personal landscape or navigating within their own psyche. In the episode notes, I've given you some links to her published works and contact information. On the next episode of NTNB, we are catching a flight to Scotland. Speaking with a geomancer and dowser, he has spent a lifetime tracking the lines of earth energy and offers great insight into our energetic relationship with our environment. See you then. You're listening to Nature, Therapy and Beyond with Catherine Sky Appreciation to our guest, contemporary shaman and author, Odette Nightsky. Gratitude to Blue Dot Sessions, blue, for our instrumentals. And to you, thank you for listening.